I swear to God, we both had things that we wanted to say at the beginning of the podcast, and I can't remember what they were going to be. Yeah, we remembered a week ago. Yeah. Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll perform when the moment comes, I'm sure. <laughs> Welcome to Bread and Barricades, a name of podcast. I'm Nemo Martin, your host. I use the them pronouns. And... Oh yeah, and uh, and this week I've gotten very much into leverage, which I feel like has been a long time coming, because I knew that it was a heist thing, and I knew that there was the OT3, and I really wanted to get into it for a really long time, but I just never did. And so I have binged watched two seasons in the last three days. <laughs> yep. That's been a fun journey, because I've kind of felt the same that I've been aware of it for so long but unless someone sits me down to watch a thing I don't watch them on my own but Nemo sends me such beautifully like concise synopsises of what's going on it's like I'm watching it (laughs) that is my intention though it's been getting progressively straighter and like they've nerfed a lot of their abilities because obviously they in the pilot, they're like the best characters I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. And in like the third episode or something, they're already doing fake dating between like the two men. And I was like, great, this is everything that I need. Um, but then obviously they realized that they had to go for like six seasons. So they had to start like making them worse. <laughs> and I was Aww. like, oh, come on. Um, but it's still, I'm still like getting for it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're pretending to be worse for the sport of it. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, I'll take that into consideration. <laughs> um, hi, uh, do I usually say hi? I'm Stevie, she, her pronouns, your primary researcher. Not done any secondary research for a little bit. I looked up a word and its meaning today, but it was like, oh, all times. I also looked up a word today, so... Ooh, I'm very excited to see if it's the same word. Oh, that would be amazing. Um, and I can't remember if last time we recorded, I probably spoke about my knitting. So, like, I don't know, the people who follow me on Instagram, I sometimes wonder about what their experience is of following me, because my feed is quite... Like, my girlfriend is a photographer, so it's quite curated, because she just likes to take pictures of me. So I have learnt to look nice in them. But then my story is like the Twitter that I refuse to ever have. And it's also like, here's me and the latex that I'm up to. <laughs> and just like general, like just being a fucking idiot on there. Compared to how like poised I would say that my normal feed is. And especially because it's all been like knitwear pictures now. I don't know what people think of me who follow me. I like to think about it. It's the like making latex by daylight, (laughs) knitting grandma by moonlight. (laughs) It's kind of like the secrets are hidden in the stories though, because I I don't watch stories at all. And so I only get your like influencer style, like curated (laughs) Instagram. And then every time you talk about what's in your stories, I'm like, what? (laughs) It's like uh, the like hidden XXX, you know, when you're like in the front of a bookshop and then like at the back, there's like a corded off bit (laughs) and it's like all the X-rated stuff. (laughs) I feel like you should only be watching my story if you're not watching stories. That's where I'm more myself, I would say. Not that like it's pictures of me being x-rated like I make latex clothing for my job so it's more just like I made this dress today but like compared to my feed where it's like I do embroidery 
and knitting and I baked a bread. It's like somebody's ordered these like assless chaps and I'm going to document them. <laughs> the second that I learned that people can see that you've watched their stories, I stopped using them all together because sometimes I would just like, you know, if I was bored, sometimes swipe through them. But now that I learned that people actually can see <laughs> that you've watched it, I'm like, great, I will never touch them ever. <laughs> oh, that's how I check that friends I don't keep much in contact with. That's how I make sure they're like alive. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they posted a thing on their story. They're fine. I don't need to message them. I feel like you would be the first to know if I died randomly. <laughs> That's true. And I pride myself on that. <laughs> <laughs> and talking of uh, someone dying randomly? <laughs> um, Not yet. Yeah, I, g- I guess God. <laughs> <laughs> Victor Hugo said rip. God, but I'm different. <laughs> so, as we got you all excited for the last last episode, there's another essay straight off the back of the last one. So we've done another. Well, I so I read this whole book parenthesis. Mm. Yeah, um, and then was like Nemo, maybe you should also read it, and we'll see what we make of this together. I'm actually very interested in your take because I heard a little bit of what you said, and uh, I didn't get any of that. So <laughs> that's well. I mean, that's why I thought it would be interesting because, um, like I've semi alluded to, but not going to get into it. But like, I do have experience with religion, and more specifically, like quite insular sects where you're like religion in quotation marks but like because some of those themes came up in this it like hit me in a certain way that I was like hmm it would be very like I would love to hear what you got from it because you're not going to be quite as like sensitive to it Mm. so between us we'll muddle our way through whatever this was and like obviously trying to be as um respectful of people who are religious i don't know that victor hugo was at the end there he was like of course i have the utmost respect and you're like do you (laughs) i don't think you know what utmost respect means actually victor hugo um Uh, i did find it funny though because i i read it after so we had this conversation about how like in the podcast that stevie tries like Stevie will mention a lot of stuff about race and I'll try and mention stuff about religion in order for us to like cross contaminate each other's <laughs> so that we're not talking about the thing that we are interested in. Mm. And I was like, even in the first paragraph of this first um, section of the book, I was like, oh, it's all about race. Yeah, yeah. I like, <laughs> well, I mean, that was also why I was like, Nemo, but I was like, Nemo, read it for these reasons. But, like, in the back of my head, I was like, oh, he mentions Orientalism, Nemo's gonna love this. <laughs> yeah, it's actually funny. Like, this, um, unlike most of the essays, which I mostly just kind of skim through, this one I already had quite a few of notes on anyway, so. Mm. So my overall notes, like, <laughs> the thesis of what I got from this book is that Hugo feels like monastic communities are, like, good for early civilization, but bad as they mature... <laughs> Gets in the way of like normal functioning systems. Um, he in quotes he finds them like a kind of consumptive disease. Um, especially when it's oh, what's the word of the whole entire thing that these are like convents, especially convents with women in them, 
in particular he takes issue with. And so like the one of the like main vibe I got of this is that he feels very strongly about it. Like I don't know, the language, at least in this book, uh, my translation, which is different from Nemo's, like he feels incredibly strongly about this topic. Yeah, I got that as well. Like unlike the other essays which are like that semi historian kind of vibe where he's mm. like this author believes that well um this author went on a walk and here are the facts and numbers. There were like no facts and numbers in this. It was all like passion. <laughs> yeah, it was very passionate, which mm. does make it easier to get through. Like I was like, oh my god, I have to mm. Nima's reminded me of a recording, I have to do my homework. Um <laughs> But I did get through it pretty quick because you're like, Whoa, Hugo <laughs> uh, Like it really it does read like something like he wrote when he was really spiteful like he would like he just had this argument with someone downstairs and he'd had a bit of a drink and he was like i'm done with you went upstairs and like wrote this whole thing and then like went to bed really angry (laughs) yeah like in one breath was like yeah um so it kind of opens with he's like this book is a drama his main character is the infinite man is a secondary character (laughs) and that kind of just like sets a little scene we're gonna get quite philosophical here Mm. Um, i mean also directly adding andrew davies there um (laughs) (laughs) well they didn't read the essays i guess (laughs) yeah so that he kind of sets at the beginning we're gonna be talking about the infinite um and religions like paganism, Buddhism, Islam, as well as Christianity, are the optical devices through which man views the infinite. <laughs> um, and then Hugo, who just like, it's these things that make me more mad than anything else. Mm. This is not the place to develop certain ideas at an unreasonable length. <laughs> They're like, just stop pretending like you're not going to go off for 12 pages. So that was like the opening emotions was how that one sentence made me feel. Um, well, the 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 similar fears of feels, feelings, not fears, the similar feelings of like what gets my goat <laughs> of Victor Hugo when he's like, because um, the first thing he also does is convert, compare the convent to, uh, he's like, you know, it doesn't just belong in the West. There are convents in the East, you know, there are <laughs> um, mosques and synagogues and pagodas and wigwams, which have a hideous side that we execrate and a sublime side. And it's like, cool, thanks. Which, um, the footnote that I have here from Julie Rose is about um, ugly versus the sublime, which is something that Hugo uses quite a lot of, like, Mm. um, you can't really understand one without the other sort of thing. Um, But yeah, did you have to compare East versus West (laughs) to do the ugly versus the sublime? (laughs) It's um, it's very... I think I, I've definitely brought it up on this podcast before, but I did a parts of my course. My God, I've been out of uni for a long time. Um, the sections of my literature course module modules was decadence, um, mm. and Hugo definitely came up in that. And that was like a big theme of decadence is the sublime in rot and mm. filth and ugliness, <laughs> um, which is so Hugo, but like. <laughs> Yeah, that he couldn't have tacked that onto his, like, because this is mostly, like, mostly, not completely, him going off 
specifically on Christianity, I would say. Mm. But he like, it's like he's like, I can't lose my audience. I've got to <laughs> sprinkle the occasional like, and in the East as well. Like, I'm not just coming for us. Mm. Also, get this. You know what it really made me think about is um, when I was watching... <laughs> When I was watching, as if it was like a fictional thing, the insurrection. <laughs> we were watching him. it like it was a film. We were in yeah, together. it's true. Like the horrified of us watching it until like four a.m. or at least I did. Uh, when it was happening, I was watching it on um, American news channels rather than British ones. And one thing that really got me <laughs> was that they kept being like, "Oh, you know," and um, at first they were like, "Oh." Um, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has said it's like shameful and blah 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 you know like other other western countries and then they started being like and Turkey which is known for its corruption <laughs> has just issued a statement about how shameful we are <laughs> it was like like that is um, the, I saw a tweet that was like that is American exceptionalism at its finest where you believe that you're so good and so pure that like when you're literally watching <laughs> your president make an insurrection happening on your Capitol Hill, you're like, wow, Turkey is judging us. <laughs> I mean, it also still says a lot about, like, for all that America was like, bye, Britain, and did the did a little Boston Harbor, they still have, at least to an extent, some, like, like, even with the royal family, sorry, we've already tangented, um, <laughs> but, you know, there's, like, a bit of something there that they're like, oh, Boris Johnson has said we're being naughty, and they take that as a little mm. slap on the wrist, and they're like, oh, my God, Turkey said this, like, <laughs> we'll take it from Britain, we'll take it from Daddy Britain. <laughs> And that's the theme of this coming chapter in, yeah. in this book. I do enjoy how, like, how Victor Hugo made, managed to make both of us really specifically angry in a paragraph. Like, this is, like, <laughs> a third of a page. I know. We're not even halfway through a page yet. Um, but, like, that does set the tone of the coming storm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to kind of try and gloss through this a little bit, reiterating that he's like, so from the viewpoint of history, reason and truth, mon monasticism, monasticism bleh, is doomed, which is like, well, maybe I should have looked this up. It's religions that only have, no, it's monotheism is religions with only one God. Oh my God, I didn't look up the word I should have looked up, it turns out. <laughs> Cut this bit, pretend I knew what it was. <laughs> monasticism or monkhood, religious way of life, which one renounces worldly pursuits to devote oneself fully to spiritual work. Okay. Wow, I thought he was just... I had, like, a little tiny moment where I was like, oh, maybe he's saying that religions that are polytheisms are okay? <laughs> and that was very naive. Huh. Yeah, that would have been quite... Um... Wow, I, I gave that to him. <laughs> okay, no, he's not saying that. So, yeah, he basically, yeah, religious orders like the before-mentioned, uh, like, the sisters that he was talking about a lot in the last episode. He hates them. <laughs> um, he said they like, ob yeah, obstructions to the normal functions of the system. Yeah, good in the first stages of civilization, but then as we progress... They become lax, and like that, he he's saying they don't move forward as we do, as a society. The convent, the old-fashioned convent for women in particular, is one of the darkest manifestations of the Middle Ages. 
The Catholic cloister, properly speaking, is entirely filled with the black radiance of death. <laughs> um, and I so I did have in my head you because you kind of had alluded to this essay before we got to it that mm. he's very like I hate them because women are being wasted in them, and mm. I cannot deny that there is at least a quarter of this is that. Um, <laughs> I think I didn't. It didn't hit me in that way as much as I expected it to from mm. what you'd said. But then he's there like, their breasts crushed in wicked cages. <laughs> <laughs> These women who think they are wives, specters who think they are serfs. Do these women think? No. Do they have desire? No. Do they love? No. Do they live? No. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that it got corroborated because <laughs> I've just been like spouting off like, yeah, it's basically that he thinks that women shouldn't because they're wasted there. And then I like started, yeah, reading that line. And I was like, yeah, big Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Over the I would say over the course of the whole thing, mm. it is, but maybe he didn't need to go much harder. That's going pretty hard. <laughs> like, I feel like he did pose some other grievances. Yeah, yeah. Um. Dens of terrible devotion, lairs of virgins, savage places that, like, he does say a lot of things that, like, as I was saying earlier, like, hit me in a certain way that I was like, oh, no, I'm agreeing with Victor Hugo. It wasn't those parts. These parts are the parts where I was like, okay, no, Nemo was right, Nemo was right. I'm not, I'm not agreeing with Victor Hugo. It's fine. <laughs> well, there is, like, the next... I mean, there's a part in this that I basically, like, almost entirely highlighted because I agreed with him, like, wholeheartedly. And then, like, the next phase, he goes back to being racist again. So it's like... <laughs> well, I think I know the bit that you're talking about. <laughs> As we uh, foreshadowed, he can't resist Because he... This is like a page of him being like, Christ this and the convent that and crucifixes hanging from chains in the shadows. Um, and these women on their knees praying... And then it's like, well, it's kind of like there's a there's a touch of the Oriental about it. The Archbishop oh, yeah. or the Kisla Agar. Um, oh, I guess it's just been translated differently because I have Aga Khan. In my one, it's a Turkish word literally meaning Lord of the Girls, the chief black oh. eunuch of the Ottoman Sultan's harem. Interesting. Mm, what have you got? Yeah, I have Aga Khan, the Aga Khan of Heaven, which I didn't look up the footnote for this one, but I can very quickly. The Aga Khan was the ruler of the Ismailian sect of Muslims. Here, the reference is more vaguely meant to indicate a Muslim equivalent of the Archbishop. Interesting. Like, he's put them there like those are the same thing. Mm. But the connotations, at least, of the uh, foot my footnote is... Okay, maybe, maybe the Archbishop is Lord of the Gals. I've never had him described in that way before oh but. so yeah the seraglio in the harem or seraglio the odalisk concubines of the sultan were mm. guarded by eunuchs is the other footnote i have yes for that. which is just like so what is basically happening in this paragraph is victor hugo saying that all of these nuns are in a harem for <laughs> god <laughs> But then it made me laugh a lot because then at night the gorgeous naked young man comes down from the cross. So he's saying that Jesus Christ is owning a harem? <laughs> it's quite the take. And became the ecstasy of the convent cell. It's like, what? <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to say that. 
Can you imagine if I said that? Can you imagine if I wrote that on Twitter and was like, actually, I think that comments are just like Jesus's harems for his group of nuns. <laughs> like, I can, I, but I can see where why he's saying that, and mm. it's because when you're, um, when you do confirmation, it's not just a Catholic thing. It's one of the sacraments. I'm pretty sure, especially the girls. You're like in the little white dress. And it's basically you're being married to God. Mm. And that's what all those little, like, comments of, like, they think they're married to God. Um, So, yeah, I can see how you get from that and be like, I guess for the shock value of being like, it's just like they're a harem. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's kind of, like, shocking to hear it said like that. (laughs) Mm. I was kind of curious about this line as well, though. So the first line of it was Catholic Spain was more Roman than Rome than Rome itself. So I'm assuming that means that he's he's saying that Catholic Spain was more like sexually promiscuous than Rome itself. I assume that the Roman was meant to be about like I mean, with the context of the rest of the paragraph about being like sexual and stuff. Oh, I had the opposite actually. Oh really? Okay. Um where because Rome is where the Pope is. Ah. Sorry, I said that. In, I wasn't. I feel like that came out in a like, and you're a fucking idiot. No, um, no, I... no. It was like I, my brain was trying to fact check itself, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I know that. Like I knew it for a fact, but then I had a second where I was like, I'm saying I feel too confident about this. Um, but that that's like where the center of Catholicism is. Um, so it's saying that Catholic Spain is like more extremely following like what the pope is laying down than even the pope is which like at certain periods of time like spain was incredibly um like everywhere was christian but like incredibly christian mm, interesting so yeah that's what that's why you need more context clues for things i guess <laughs> or i guess but, he didn't have to because in his time people would have known that like but like in the context of the rest of the paragraph i can see why you would get what your reading was because <laughs> he's just a filthy bastard who's talking about sex i mean it's true <laughs> we can he both definitely... be right <laughs> Uh, so we're gonna add um, that Victor Hugo has a nun fetish on his um, on his <laughs> bingo card, his FetLife account. <laughs> um, yeah, and then he's like, so we get a lot of him referring to these convents and cloisters, which is like another word for like what a convent is, little religious sex where it's very insular, and that they're dungeons, and they go there to be buried. Um, and that people who defend them, defenders of the past, shrug off the like monstrous aspects of these places um, with a smile. It's So I did... He says, this black propaganda, say the shrewd, black propaganda, repeat the inane. And I was like, mm. I don't think that black propaganda is what I... You know what us current day would direct reaction assume that means? Mm, yeah. I'm trying to find it on my page to see whether I got translated the same thing, whether it's dark and yeah. It has become the fashion, a convenient and strange fashion to suppress the revelations of history, to invalidate the commentaries of philosophy and to dodge all of the embarrassing facts and all the somber questions. Oh. What do you get for the like 
uh, someone has recently discovered that Tacticus was a propagandist, Nero was a victim, and really the poor Holofernes deserves to be pitied. I can't remember who it was who recently found that Tacitus too was a ranter, that Nero was a victim, and that one really had to feel sorry for that poor Holofernes. Wow, you really had... I have a lot of propaganda in that that paragraph. (laughs) None for you. No propaganda for me. I don't know what that says. I'm not... We're going to need to think about this and come back and be smarter. Yeah, I feel like that's quite a like powerful word, propaganda, whereas ranter is quite a like... Um... Raving! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm, interesting. Make note, black propaganda in hmm. the Victor Hugo time period sense. But yeah, so he's basically just saying like, defenders of the past are looking with their little rose-tinted glasses and being like, oh, it's fine. Facts, however, are not easy to confound. Yeah, more how these places are dungeons, waterlogged. Um, So he does have his little Victor Hugo moment of like, I actually did go on a walk um, <laughs> and came across one of these one of these buildings that would have, I guess, been a cloister that it's like slabs of granite and it's like right on the river. Mm. that uh, So it's like waterlogged and the granite where they would sleep is like too short for anyone to lie down in and the rooms are too low to stand up right in a human being was put inside this with a stone lid on top this exists you can see it you can touch it in these in pace which in latin is in peace uh, these dungeons these iron hinges these neck shackles these high windows with the river flowing right underneath it with a granite lid like a tomb what propaganda that, so that yeah, that he's like, like he feels really impassioned, especially I would say, and it felt in that paragraph, at least in my translation, um, mm. that he's seen one of these buildings and is like, how dare you call it propaganda? Yeah, I feel like it does actually change it quite a lot because I have, you know, um, you can see it, you can touch it. These in pace, these solitary cells, these solitary cells, blah blah, like a tomb. With this difference here that. Death is living, this floor that is mud, this shithole, these oozing walls, how they rant. Yeah, it feels it feels like, I mean, ranting and propaganda are just different words. Yeah. <laughs> they have such different meanings and it feels so much more like dismissive, whereas propaganda feels more dangerous. Yeah, like in, the, in my one of like what propaganda, it's like people are, like that's, propaganda is like insidious, like it's purposeful, it's mm. with an agenda. Whereas ranting, you're like, oh, that person's going off, but that's just something they're doing for themselves. At least that's how I feel about that. Mm, yeah, like it's you don't you don't trust someone who's ranting, and you don't you don't believe someone who's ranting. You yeah. can tell that they're ranting. Um, whereas someone who's spouting propaganda, you do believe it because it it's designed for you to believe it. It's quite interesting because your translation, Rose, she's the one that's like. I am, I'm treating Victor Hugo like <laughs> she wasn't like like my husband. It was something like that, though, wasn't it? Yeah, she's yeah. Like, she said that he was. She was married to him, mm, and that she's like, I'm gonna get the true like his intentions. Mm. So that makes me feel like she wouldn't like hide what he's saying. But this would be one I'd be very interested for someone who can translate French um, <laughs> and its connotations um, to take a look at what it's closer to, to yes. ranting or propaganda. So in the French, it is declamanteurs. Declaiming. 
Well, that's not very helpful. <laughs> Ex- I guess declaiming is kind of like exclaiming. Yeah. Um, which doesn't really sound like propaganda to me. I feel like propaganda is a very specific word. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that ranting is more similar just just from that. But yeah. I don't know whether that's like just because I don't really know what declaiming means. <laughs> yeah, and like it's also hard to say like what that would have meant in a Victor Hugo timeline where you can get uh, the thing that he was, <laughs> where he was sent out of his country. Uh, exiled, exiled. Yeah, mm-hmm. where if you're like, and you know, there's been all of these revolutions, and if you're like, I heard that he next door believes in the other side, mm. and then you get beheaded, or whatever the punishment is going to be, mm. that, like, maybe it's not that, maybe that's not what that would translate to, like, declaiming being... That stronger word, maybe it is closer to what Rose has done. Um, mm. I don't know. I just find it quite interesting that. Um, so I'm just looking at the like original now, and and that paragraph that we were saying before with the like Diderot, the Voltaire, the Jean Jacques, mm. so all of these names and stuff, and it's like um, Matia Declamation, Declamation, Declamateur, 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 uh, Declamateur. Yeah, like he, they keep repeating. They keep repeating. He keeps repeating this word, like yeah. declaim, rather than the words that we have. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, interesting. Also, something that I learned. Well, not learned, but one of my friends told me the other day because I was looking at the largely film again and um, was looking at sort of slang in that, and she was reminding me that a lot of words that we assume to be quite like high profile words like I guess exquisite or something like that which for us isn't is not a colloquial word is mm. quite a like uh um fancy word um aren't seen as fancy in French because that is not because we borrowed it in English we yeah. borrowed it from French and so we made that word to be fancy because <laughs> we had a better word like good we had <laughs> good and then we had exquisite and so exquisite came our fancy word um so yeah i was reminded of that this week and i was like oh yeah that's also something to keep in mind i guess because i <laughs> i do often see a lot of words that hugo uses that i would say are fancy words but aren't actually fancy words <laughs> yeah those are just his words okay yeah that is interesting I want to know this propaganda thing. <laughs> um, we've got very caught up on the propaganda. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, like, so it was sort of at that point that is what was kind of hitting me a little bit was the he's very upset, I would say, overall. Because, like, as we'll get to later, in the end, he's like, I'm fine with religion. It's just these little, it's just these little convents I'm not happy with. Um, I think what he really takes issue with is when it's these little pockets of religious groups which are very insular, old-fashioned, he would say, um, not changing, and mm. where where things like this of, like, there's a fragment of neck iron riveted to the wall and it's, like, an uncomfortable space and things that, yeah, if, you know, when it's, like, in a religious context, people are kind of more willing to be like oh but that's fine that's how they do that Mm. but outside of that you'd be like oh I don't know about this actually is that okay um and that's the kind of thing that I think he mostly is upset about is like the practices that can go on in these places Mm. 
So that's why I was like, oh, Nima, I'm going to be a bit sensitive to this. So I'm not sure if we're going to be getting the same <laughs> message. I need you to read this one as well. Because, um, yeah, then I was like, yeah, you, you say it. <laughs> it's not okay just because it's religious. Yeah, I, I mean, I so, so the next, like, um, section of this is the part that I got really, like, caught up in. Um, but I think it is talking about the same thing. And I'll explain my thought process. But I, I do agree that, like, it, it is that thing of, I think... I think the the line that like sums maybe sums up what your point is is that as for us we respect the past here and there and spare it everywhere provided it consents to be dead wherever it tries to be alive we attack it and do our level best to kill it and how I understood that was we can respect like um, the idea of religion but we need to criticize the uh, how religion is performed yeah. <laughs> um, but I didn't understand it for a religion because I actually understood it through the racism thing. Of like, <laughs> because um, the stubborn determination of old institutions to perpetuate themselves is like the obstinacy of a rancid perfume in clinging to your hair. Um, I was a rose, says the perfume. To that, there is only one response once. And for me, like, you know, just even the word institutions mm. for me is like, ah, racism, because institutional racism, but also all of the institutions that I've worked at that have been racist, that, and like recently with all like statues and stuff like that, and with the British Empire and all these things that we've had these conversations about, where all these people are like, oh, we used to be great, you know, Churchill is our hero, just because he did a couple of bad things doesn't mean that you can pull down his statue or whatever. Um, we were great. And I really like that idea of, um, to that there is only one response once and the like idea of you can you you are allowed to talk about the good things but you also have to talk about the bad things yeah mm. yeah i feel like this was a good i'm only looking at this one page right now this is a good page for hugo um yeah yeah because yeah. <laughs> yeah we're both coming at it from these two different standpoints but can definitely see each other's like i had a feeling that yeah you would definitely vibe with this bit because yeah, that is like um, to force the past on the present is this is, seems strange. Uh, people who do that, they put a gloss on the past, a gloss they call social order, divine right, morality, family, respect for elders, ancient authority, sacred tradition, legitimacy, religion. They go on shouting that you're like, yeah, fuck you go. <laughs> I had the exact line underlined. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, like you can watch like. Like, all of these things, exactly what he has said, are all the things that, like, the politicians... Even now, I'm so frustrated. I mean, it, I, I think our listener base is mostly American with some German. Um, <laughs> but, like, our leadership right now is conservative. And the Labour Party is supposed to, like, be holding conservative government to, like, its standards. But the Labour Party has just announced that it's going to be, like... Um, standing for family values and it's like we know what that whistle yeah. is it means that you're not going to support gay people anymore <laughs> and it's already happening <laughs> yeah it's like they're literally already rolling back transgender rights yeah it's like, oh. as we speak this moment yeah this is like a really strong moment for hugo which he does like he does serve these up for us sometimes like i, I do have mm. to give that to him mm. um especially when he's feeling very strongly um, mm. I just love 
for you, it was the rose line. I had the next one underlined the I civilized you, said the convent. There is only one answer to this once upon a time. Yeah. Um, but you're like, oh, I can see what got back to the bus. <laughs> I, I actually, um, this page, yeah, this page is so good. Like, um, at the end, he's like, um, bigotries, hypocrisies, prejudices, these spectres, as spectral as they are, cling to life. Um, but. They have to be grappled in hand-to-hand, head-to-head combat in a war that must be waged without let-up. For this is the one thing, this is one of the things to which humankind is doomed, to be forever fighting off phantoms. A shadow is difficult to grab by the throat and dash to the ground. And it's like, yes, it's really hard to fight institutional racism Mm. because it's hidden. And like, it is something that you have to keep on fighting because it's like, because it's not in the view and it is hidden by behind all these words of like social order, divine right, morality, family values and stuff. And it's like, because it's a spectre and it's like, oh, Hugo, you did so good. And then like the fucking next page, she's like, yeah, anyway, those fucking Muslims, though, am I right? Like... <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let us never get too comfortable. And that's what this has really taught us as an experience. Yeah, because like the par- I had so much of that one underlined as well. And then like two paragraphs later, he's having this like powerful moment. He's like, let us fight. Let us fight. But let us discriminate. And I was like, oh my god, where's this fucking going then? Um, But he's like, um, you know, the characteristics of truth, uh, never to be extreme. We don't need to exaggerate. Um, There is that which needs to be destroyed. And there is that which simply needs to be elucidated and examined. That you're like, okay, that can't be true. It's just the, (laughs) with the current day context, actually, surely any context, Having a let us fight, but let us discriminate gives you that little moment of like, oh no. I mean, when he follows it up by being like, we can only think of the horror of these countries where fakirs, bonzes, santons, kaloyers, maraboots, talibans, dervishes pollute like swarms of vermin. It's yes. Like, yeah, there we go. There it was. Discrimination. Anyway, the religion question remains. So uh, certain mysteries, almost awesome aspects to this question. Let's confront that. And you're like, who's confront what you just said? <laughs> um, yeah. Then he's back on to things that I was like, uh, coming at me. Um, about convents, like, men come together and live under one roof. By what virtue and what right? Um, virtue of the right of association. They shut themselves up in a communal home. Um, what right? The man's right to open or shut his door. They do not go out. By what virtue and what right? Uh, the right to come and go, which implies the right to stay at home. They're at home. What do they do? I voice down, eyes lowered. They work. Mm. He he mentions the uh, their coarse woolen outfits quite a lot. He's not a fan, and he's like kind of does he he so he's like quite not always in good ways in that like last couple chat uh, little. Yeah, the chapters um, in this book. They're coming in very hot and strong, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then he's beginning to, like, as you say, he sat down and spat this all out in one go <laughs> in a fury. He's starting to calm down a bit. Um, he's still got, like, oh, here's some issues. God, this got me really bad. Uh, even the family names are lost. They have only first names. All bow beneath the equality of baptismal names. They have annulled the blood-related family and within their community have formed a spiritual family. And I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is a positive thing for people who have sought religion safely for themselves. And it's like, you know, it. they... Sorry, you go. 
no, 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 you carry on. I was going to say, but then he's like, but, you know, they help the, for- the poor, they care for the sick. Like, my note is like, oh, one good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just found it funny because, obviously, our experiences with life are completely different. And I think, so I had actually underlined this from my first reading, where I was like, I know that Victor Hugo isn't talking about, like, socialism and communism, <laughs> but it does kind of sound like he's like, they call each other my brother and like the idea of you know they've given up their like blood relationships and they've like made their own little family and I was like oh you know that's our like queer little commune (laughs) with a little farm (laughs) and we've said fuck our families and like you know yeah (laughs) I mean "Mm, yeah I mean it's it also reads in a different way but (laughs) yeah well, I mean, this is, like, literally... I think that was at the point that I messaged you, like, I think you're going to need to read this one as well. Because I know he's not coming at my experience. Mm. Um, but the, yeah, the, like, your blood ties, we're all one spiritual family here. Which, like, I completely believe in, like, the family I make is the important one. But there was something mm. about that, like, spiritual family wedding that I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, with the the idea of propaganda, like, one page before, it's, like, not hard to see how you would come to, like, that. Yeah, and that this is a, like, largely a, um, god, I can't think of smart words, a roasting of, uh, <laughs> of cloisters and insular religious sects so it was like with that context like if that if that thing about you know yeah like we call each other brother and our blood related family um doesn't matter it's our former spiritual family in any other context i'd be like yes (laughs) but yeah (laughs) i was like oh god yeah hugo no get them (laughs) yeah 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 um but yeah then he's like um you know preceding this book i spoke of a convent in respectful terms (laughs) Leaving aside the Middle Ages, leaving aside Asia, all of you, all of you Asia, um, excluding the historical and political aspect from the purely philosophical point of view, beyond crusading imperatives uh, on condition that the monastery is completely voluntary and encloses only those who consent to it, I shall always treat the cloistered community with a certain, diligent, and in some respects, deferential seriousness, which I... Yeah, kind of actually do. I agree with that last bit. The um, <laughs> yeah, it, for like, cause yeah, for people who do have religion and have found that for themselves and are like practicing it safely and happily and like want to be there, I do mm. respect that. Mm. It was so, you, so I like underlined that in a squiggly line where I was like, mm-hmm, okay, and like I get what he's saying. I guess that he's like, yeah, we can see these as positive things. If there was not this history of X, Y, Z. Um, but yeah, as he can't help but be himself, all of Asia, nothing yeah. in particular, everything you've ever done has led to this, and it's wrong. Yeah. And what more is there to say, I guess? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The next two pages I have no notes on, so take it away. Well, it, it, he gets, yeah, he's hit, hit some kind of groove. So, yeah, that he's like, you know, these people who live behind these four walls and dress in their homespun, their equals, they call each other brothers. This is all very well. But what else do they do? (laughs) They look into the darkness and they get down on their knees and they put their hands together. What is the significance of that? 
and masturbating. <laughs> well, considering it's a harem for Jesus. Yeah, so prayer is really just... Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, they're praying. To whom? To God. To pray to God. What do those words mean? And you're like, <laughs> what is this, Hugo? <laughs> like, you've had me for certain points of this book. Like, he did. He'd lose me just as quickly immediately, but then he'd like start again and you're like, okay. This bit's kind of like that bit, especially the they pray who to God. To pray to God, what does that mean? Feels like a TikTok or something. Yeah. It's like both the start of a sermon and oh, I wish I'd written down it like, oh, I can't remember what it made me feel and think when I read it the first one through, but it was like very, whatever it was, it was very specific. Um <laughs> What was it? It's like a TED talk? I don't know what he is doing here. Um, Well, I know what he's doing here. But yeah, so he's like, this. there's a little chapter just titled Prayer. And he's like, is there an infinite beyond ourselves? That's what it made me think of. He's doing like a really strange... Like, I can imagine this is his podcast. And he's got Brian May's voice. (laughs) Do you get that? Because he's like, is that infinite one? An indivisible, abiding, everlasting, necessarily substantial. And it's got that, like, Yeah! (laughs) And while there is an infinite beyond ourselves, is there not at the same time an infinite within ourselves? Are these two infinites? What an alarming plural, not superimposed on top of the other. This is Victor Hugo. (laughs) Yeah, it's like... The the vibe here is very different. Like, he's gone from passionate and, I don't know, there's, like, a fire in him. Mm. And then to this strange podcast, (laughs) he's speaking ASMR, he's speaking the truth. (laughs) I think, you know, when you, like, when you do get really angry and then you're, like, furiously, like, writing out whatever, you're, like, texting your friend and you're like furious and then there's that bit where you get just really sad and you start writing all these like philosophical this is that segment he's in what is it like there's denial and then whatever the stages of grief he's like in the like sad pity me bit (laughs) the pity me stage of grief yeah yeah but like it's that but also i don't know something else is going on (laughs) this yeah is okay yeah sad pity me philosophical hugo hour Mm. um yeah he's thinking about the soul and prayer and the infinite a lot and he did open this book parenthesis saying he that this book was about the infinite yeah that's true we've (laughs) taken it back to the beginning (laughs) yeah so i did have that in mind while i was trying to understand (laughs) what he's saying here um and I, th- I I, don't know is the real answer. Um, I think he's saying, because he's like, God is an infinite, but there is also in ourselves the soul an infinite. The eye below is the soul, the eye above is God. Certain faculties of mankind are directed towards the unknown. Thought, imagination, prayer. The unknown is an ocean. What is conscience? Whale sound. Is it a compass in the unknown? Thought, imagination, prayer, whale sound. <laughs> These are great mysteries. Radiances. Let us repeat them. <laughs> so, I, I don't, I don't. 
like he's like we have okay let's continue and try and understand this together we have a duty to work on the human soul to defend mystery against miracle to adore the incomprehensible he's really asking me to adore this this incomprehensible moment and reject the absurd to admit it is inexplicable only what we must to purge belief to call religion of superstition to decontaminate god <laughs> i've got to rid god of worms <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i don't know which is better they're both very good <laughs> yeah it's i i guess like when it gets to the end you're like oh okay i get what he's saying which is like we need to make sure that religion isn't about the like um I'm gonna say Bible bashing and like the mm. like the the like um idolatry and yeah, adding stuff to it. But the like investigate the infinite in order to reject the absurd. It's like what do you <laughs> what those are words? Is he basically trying to be like don't read the Bible like don't read the words that some translator has given you, but actually think for yourself and like analyze your like think about god as an issue of like not academic but of like personal because i would like that to be the thing because that sounds yeah. like a, a good way of dealing with religion where it's like oh i you know use religion or think about religion as something that is like how i can navigate the world or how i can understand the world but I don't know whether I don't. I, don't, I, don't. I, don't. <laughs> I almost like I don't. I feel like I don't often encourage people listening to read any of this. <laughs> I don't know because I feel like the original intention was like, oh, this is a chapter on. You can read along. Here are thoughts. But I feel like, I mean, if I was listening to this, I'd be like, I'm not going to read it. I'm going to listen to your Cliff's notes. That's all I'm going to get at this. Um, I can't speak for. Our, listeners maybe they uh, put in the work more than I do but well except I am putting in the work because I'm here doing this I guess um, <laughs> but I wouldn't be if Nemo hadn't asked. I, I had a nice thought which was like because so recently I've been thinking about how rah, 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 angry man gets angry at clouds but like uh, technology and like how I don't think about things anymore it's re- or it's really hard to think about things because I occupy all of my time going from one task to the other mm. um, and how I went for a walk the other day and I didn't even put a podcast on I just like listened to music and thought thoughts which is oh. um, but even then it was like listening to music uh, but yeah like spending time and like instead of having uh, maybe this is about like instead of having someone like give you information but to actually spend time with the infinite instead of like being trapped in a house which tells you how god wants you to feel and tells you to get married to god and stuff like that if you really want to do religion then go and like think about it (laughs) in a mountain where there are stars (laughs) not in asia though for the love of god and also turkey he's come for you a lot as well i get what you're saying and also do be trapped in the house that is this podcast and listen only to the thoughts that we tell you to think about you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did, like this would be one where I'm like, go read the book seven parenthesis and what do you make of it? Yeah, because yeah, yeah because like I I think I was 
I don't know if he's laying down what we're both desperately trying to pick up. But like I had the same thing where I was like, you know, with the the, the two infinites and one is the soul and that is a below and the god the eye that is above is God, that it's like, oh, so is it that like we're as important as God? Mm. And if we see that God is this amazing thing, should we be seeing that in ourselves? And I was like, I don't know if that's what he's laying down, but that's what I'm trying to get out of it. <laughs> um well, let's continue on and see if it goes that makes any more sense to yeah. what we're trying to get of it. Because he's like, as for the way to pray, all ways are good, provided they are sincere. Turn your book over and become one with the infinite. It's just like these sprinklings of little moments <laughs> that are very strange. <laughs> I feel like we could, like, maybe not us, we need to hire someone with like a deep, like, man Jade. voice. Oh, okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> but Jade would have a great voice for this. Oh yeah, that's true. Jade would have an amazing voice for this. <laughs> I'd listen to Jade tell me to become one with the infinite and I'd be like, this makes sense. But I'm reading it in my head as Victor Hugo like pointing at me while he's saying all this. <laughs> there are, as we know, renowned atheists of powerful intellect. <laughs> like, is that you? Um, you know, they do not believe in God being great minds they prove the existence of god you don't need to believe in god for it to be real because if you're so great god must have made you that way <laughs> i think is what he's saying there and then he has another little moment he's like you know these philosophers these atheists it's interesting what you can do with words and like i guess we've already seen that in this episode comparing these two translations which i guess is why we bought two um so in my one here, it's saying, like, replacing the word force with the word will, it would be fruitful to say the plant wills instead of the plant grows. If I were to go on to say the universe wills, why? What would follow would be this. The plant wills, therefore it has an eye. The universe wills, therefore it has a god. For ourselves, and I must assume ourselves is Victor Hugo, we find it more difficult to admit that a plant has a will, which those who say the last paragraph would accept, then that the universe has a will, which is what they would deny. So for for these philosophers, these atheists, they find it easier to think of plants as having a force of will than it is to think of, so like an agenda, I guess, like mm. thought. Um, whereas the universe having that and that having to equal some form of God which they would maybe reject, that is more what Victor Hugo would believe. So I think, like, at all times, they're like, what does he, Victor Hugo believe? We're trying to uncover this. Um, mm. He does believe in something. Man, it really does sometimes need someone, like, just reading the words out to me. Because I read this, and I completely didn't take any of it in. But yeah, like, I get it now, what he's trying to say, which is, like, it's easier for a lot of atheists to believe that a plant has more will because it's closer to us as humans than the concept of the universe or the concept of the infinite. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that is true. Like, I wouldn't believe that the universe has a will, whereas I would believe that a plant has a will because it has the biological cap capabilities of wanting water. Mm. But then, like, I guess thinking about the universe or the infinite having a will is like no but now i'm like maybe it does have a will <laughs> do i believe in god do you, do you believe in god <laughs> i was my 
girlfriend hates is made actually viscerally uncomfortable by anything existential. So I was just like, oh, she'd hate this. Oh, she'd hate the way this is going to make her have to think about the universe. Because, <laughs> yeah, there is, like, I've not had that argument said like that. Like, went to Catholic school. They do the, like, look at a clock and how perfect a clock is. If you came across a clock and you'd never seen one, you'd assume someone had to make that. Look how perfect the universe is. Surely. And you're like, is the universe perfect? I don't think so. This is this argument here with the plant wills and changing that language, yeah, is more actually more compelling mm. to me than one taught in Catholic school mm. to keep everyone Catholic. Because it doesn't assume that, and, and like, because the the clock theory or the eye, we got the eye one, which is like, look at the human eye. It's just so amazing. You would never be able to invent that. So God must have invented it. And it's like, uh, okay, I can <laughs> say a number of things are wrong with the eye, like cataracts. Um, uh, but yeah, this like idea of the God, I genuinely am having a crisis of faith right now, <laughs> live on air. <laughs> In real time, I'm glad that I chose to read those bits out and really be a conduit for this. Am I the angel Gabriel to Victor Hugo's God? Stevie, we all know that you are actual Jesus. (laughs) And you are my first disciple. (laughs) Yes. Do I get to kill you? You don't kill me. But I I was thinking earlier... um, when we were talking about this earlier, I was like, I didn't say it to you. I was like, I'd let Nemo be my Judas. He kisses my cheeks so that they know to come crucify me. I don't know if we can keep these bits. Anyway. Anyway. um, It's compelling, Victor Hugo. But then he's like, so anyway, nihilism. And you know what? He hates that. Or does he hate it? Or is he just like, it's actually... Because he hates... He said he hates cloisters and, like, the nunneries. But then he's like, oh, no, but, you know, I do have the utmost respect. With nihilism, he's like, it's of no import. (laughs) With nihilism, no discussion is possible. So what's the point? (laughs) They don't even think that they're real. (laughs) Nihilism nihilism is the one where you just don't... Where you're just, like, really pessimistic, right? Like, nothing has meaning, nothing has value. Yeah, basically. I guess, like, I'm going to say that very confidently. (laughs) I'm sure someone will be like, um... (laughs) Expressing some form of negation towards life or towards fundamental concepts such as knowledge, existence, and the meaning of life. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah, like, Um, I think a nihilistic point of view would be to, like, what's the point of doing anything... Because nothing makes a difference, so nothing matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, <laughs> with nihilism, no discussion is possible. For the logical nihilist doubts that his interlocutor exists and is not very sure that he himself exists. <laughs> nihilism is of no import. <laughs> so that's not like, hey, that's... It's more that he's just like very dismissive. He's like, I have you in a logic... <laughs> Cage <laughs> move 
Eric like moves swiftly on from nihilism. Philosophy must be a force of energy. It to better mankind must be its endeavour. The pursuit of pleasure. What a sorry purpose and what a paltry ambition. The brute beast pursues pleasure. The pursuits of thought. That is the soul's real triumph. And it's one of those bits that you're like, maybe I would agree, but I'm now imagining him as like on his blog as a um, <laughs> one of those like super atheist mm. bloggers. He's like really incel where he's like, mm. and Chad's only care about pleasure. They only care about girls and fucking girls and baseball. But true thought people go on Reddit and think for once so actually I don't need pleasure. <laughs> Which is also really fuck it like Victor Hugo had so many people he had sex with. He fucked so hard. <laughs> He's he... a Chad. <laughs> He's doing both. <laughs> yeah, I like have to remind myself of that sometimes. Cause he like really is like Cause yeah, there'll be points where me and Nima are like, yeah, well, agreeing with Victor Hugo, and then you're like, oh, forget that. No, here he goes again. Oh, okay, no. <laughs> but like, he does have those moments, and he's very like, I am an intellectual. Mm. Like that, that's his Twitter handle or whatever. Um, I don't have Twitter. I don't know how it works. Um, but then you, yeah, you, you got to remind yourself that he was a Chad, and mm. he did go to Bone Town like a lot. <laughs> Not that you not that those can be mutually exclusive. Like mm. we're not saying that. Um but then yeah, it's just is it ironic? What is it? When he's out here like the brute beast pursues pleasure. <laughs> yeah. The pursuit of thought that is the soul's real triumph. <laughs> yeah, very ironic. <laughs> so maybe he's making a good point there, but I laughed my way through that, reading it aloud and reading it to myself earlier. Um wisdom is holy communion. Philosophy must be a force of energy. Actually, that you're like, yeah, that is a, that is nice. We mm. should come at this with like thought, with like energy and wanting to like do better mankind. Must be its endeavor, says Victor Hugo. And you're like, yeah. Um, mm. Sorry, I laughed at you, Hugo. Not that sorry. <laughs> Philosophy must not be a mere belvedere built on mystery in order to gaze on it, on it at leisure. For m- nothing more than the accommodation of curiosity. We neither understand man as a point of departure, nor progress as a goal. Without these two driving forces, faith and love, progress is the goal. The ideal is the paragon. What is the ideal? It is God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're back at um, God being uh, Victor Hugo's end then, right? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Take care in censoring. When speaking of convents, so he's bringing it back, he's bringing it back home. (laughs) Those places of error, but also of innocence of misguidedness, but also of good intentions, of ignorance, but also of devotion, of torture, but also of martyrdom. God, I sent this net, but next bit to my brother and he was like, is he writing about you? Um, <laughs> this bit. The convent is supreme egoism entailing supreme abnegation, which is self-denial. Um, <laughs> so just the like, yeah, being taught religiously to make self-denial a big old part of yourself because that's what God needs from you. And you're like, yeah, okay. (laughs) They got me. (laughs) You're right, Eric. That that was written about me. Um, um, Salvation is the object of the convent with sacrifice as the means to achieve it. 
So they're a contradiction, the egoism, the self-denial, it's all there. But we do not think that on such a subject, mockery is appropriate. (laughs) Which I only haha because it feels like he's mocked it a bit. (laughs) Yeah, and also it's like, again, if... I was the one to say these things, then I feel like I would be shot by Piers Morgan. But, like, (laughs) because it's Victor Hugo, he's allowed to say it. Yeah, it's like, everything it involves is serious, the good as well as the bad. The man, the just man frowns, but never sneers. We understand anger, not malice. Which, like, yes, again, is a thing that you're like, yes. I I read it in this silly voice, not because I don't agree, and that you know we sh- we're not being like we're not being like how convincing. <laughs> it's that Victor Hugo started. Did did I read enough of like his here's why they're bad? Did I gloss over it? Now I'm worried I gloss over it. But like he came in really hot and heavy. Yeah, I mean, the one that you missed, that I was surprised that you missed, was taking the veil or the habit is suicide reimbursed by eternity. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty, like, (laughs) he's pretty, like, out there for him. Yeah. So it's, yeah, we laugh and read only in silly voices because you're like, okay, you save face at the end there, Victor Hugo. (laughs) Oh no, God, I was like, and that's the end of that book. Now we've got one more. Um a few more words, says Victor Hugo. <laughs> Just a few. I've got bear with me a bit longer, so. <laughs> Which is better? Both is good. <laughs> we criticise the church when it is riddled with intrigue. We despise the spiritual and its attachment to the temporal, but everywhere we honour the thinking man. But yeah, that is, I think, with what he's getting at there, that is, again, something I would agree with, that you're like, there are parts of christianity i will definitely criticize the parts of it that need to be criticized but yeah i wouldn't be like you fecking idiot for believing in god (laughs) uh yeah being respectful of the good that people can get out of it Mm. um yeah so he's like to be lost in thought is not to be idle faith is indispensable to man so i think he's yeah he's basically saying here like when people dedicate themselves to prayer or even just a thought. I think he's like kind of adding himself there. He's like, mm. it's actually really hard. Um, so we shouldn't look down on that. To contemplate is to toil, to think is to do. Without invalidating anything we have just said, <laughs> we believe the living ought to keep death constantly in mind. We must die, which is a thing I think he's saying that they do a lot in convents. So that that's good that they do that. I've not underlined a whole lot on this one. Um, those who pray constantly are surely needed for those who never pray at all. So what I got from that, <laughs> and like that is an actual you know thing that some people believe, but what mm. I got from that coming from Victor Hugo's mouth is like, I'm going to forget to pray sometimes. So I'm going to need you to <laughs> cover that one for me, please. <laughs> Which was a thing you could pay people to do through a lot really? of history. Like you could, oh my God. you could, that was like, one of the reasons there was a huge split between Catholicism and, like, all the other little uh, Christianity, uh, all the ones who live under Christianity uh, umbrella. God, sorry. Denominations? Is that the yes. word? <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I out-Christianed you. You did. I believe in God now. God gave me the answer. <laughs> 
I like at all times am desperately trying to forget all these things. So then when I need them, I'm like, oh no. Um, I come in very confidently and I'm like, I was successfully buried a lot. Um, Me like with my little like kids um, metal detector on the beach, like denominations. (laughs) Um, Yeah, when there was like the great split between Catholicism and all these other Christian denominations. Like, yeah, a large one was like, Hey, Catholics, we don't know if it feels great that you you can pray, like, pay for your sins to be removed. Like, you can pay for a hundred prayers said on your behalf. We don't know about oh that. <laughs> um, so that's what I had in mind at that little line. Mm. But he's not, he's not saying, he, well, he's not going to pay you to do it, but you should. Mm. And that's what they're doing in convents. It's a civic service. Uh, we are for religion and against religions, says Victor Hugo. <laughs> sacrifice based on a false premise is still sacrifice. <laughs> he's got a little paragraph there where, yeah, he's like, the I, I the vibe I got from it was, um, maybe they're on their knees and they're scuffed and in pain and doing this, that and the other and all those practices that we highlighted more in the last episode. But... You know, maybe it's not for why they think they're doing it, but it's they're still doing it, and we should respect that. Hmm. I think that that is what that was. This cloistered life, so bleak, so austere, is not life, for it is not liberty. We do not believe what these women believe, but who, like them, live by faith, have never been able to contemplate without a kind of compassionate and religious anguish, a kind of pity full of envy, those devout, quaking, trusting creatures, those humble, noble souls who dare to live on the very brink of mystery. And as at this point that, like, he's gone a lot of places. And you know what? I've gone a lot of the... I've gone to a lot of places with him <laughs> on this one. Mm. Um, I don't know how great I felt about this little... that little nugget there of, like, he's wanting to be like, here are the bad things... But here's how we can be still be respectful. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Something about that language there, the like quaking, trusting. Um, yeah. It fills me with pity. That you're like, well, now you've gone from like, let's have a look at this religion and specifically cloisters and uh, convents thing. Let's look at this not with historical, rosy tinted lenses let's look at these as facts and let's think about this properly and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end here, he brings it back to like that (laughs) bit right at the beginning that you'd warned me about with the like, oh, and they're binding their breasts. (laughs) These women think they're married to God. They don't feel love. And we're coming back around to like, it's not like pity. It doesn't feel like, and I pity the anguish they'll put themselves through or I pity any painful practices that are done in the name of God. It's like, Maybe it's this translation, but, you know, with the, like, the quaking, these trusting creatures, humble, noble souls. There's, like, mm. I've, it becomes, like, a pat on these women's head. I pity you fool. So I 100% believe that that is what Hugo is doing. I also want to pre- present you this, which is my reading of this scene, mm-hmm. which is because this uh, section is called Faith Law, Faith, comma, Law, and that immediately made me think, oh, Javert, um... And also because we were talking about, you know, um, uh, Hugo was saying about, like, uh, all of the Christian stuff. Um, on page 1083, which is just before Javert completes suicide, he 
Hugo says, since he had come of age and become a public servant, Javert had poured just about all his religion into the police, being, and here we use the term without the least irony and in their most serious sense, being, as we say, the spy, the way another man is a priest. Um, and I felt like there was kind of, um, there was something in what you said before about like uh, devoting everything the the language of sacrificing everything sacrificing your entire life sacrificing your entire like um being into being a nun uh which is what javert does for the for the police but then this bit of the like the quivering on the knees and stuff the last line of it is um aspiring to the void and the unknown their eyes fixed on the un their eyes fixed on the unmoving darkness on their knees overcome stunned shivering half lifted up at certain moments by the deep breaths of eternity and that's javert at the end when he like looks up um at the uh sky he tries to see the stars but it's just um a ceiling of clouds hit the stars the sky was just a sinister density javert poked his head over and looked everything was black a savage breath br- rose from that abyss which is you know the the deep breaths of eternity so now i'm like very excited about the fact that javert is a nun (laughs) (laughs) i yes completely agree yes yeah but yeah it is yeah so i i think i think that what you were saying is right of the like it's really annoying that he does make this like because he's making this argument right that convents shouldn't exist because of all of these religious reasons and how we shouldn't like how we should critic criticize organized religion for what he, what is done to religion and we should like turn inwards and if we want to talk about religion to actually talk about religion and not just about like um giving money to people or whatever and then he's like oh but save the poor woman though because <laughs> oh, i can't fuck her if she's in the convent <laughs> um but then equally then he'll put in something where i'm like oh but what if it is like a coded metaphor for (laughs) javert later on um hmm. it can all be true he does be true he we know it's fact he'll foreshadow something hundreds of pages beforehand (laughs) so you will have completely forgotten it yeah so you're right (laughs) <laughs> I mean, there was another one as well, and I know this episode is getting long, but whatever. The word that I looked up was not the word that you looked up. The word that I looked up was um, asceticism, A-S-C-E-T-I-C-I-S-M, mm-hmm. um, which is abstinence from sensual pleasure, usually for spiritual goals. And the line that was in was, uh, the bizarre recondence in asceticism is, is stunning, the civilized world at this very moment and i thought that was an interesting concept because it of the like conversation we had about the bbc lemis and about javert and jean valjean being written as uh not having sex with anyone so whether they are uh galaxy brained written as asexual or just like aesthetics it's a um fuck who was that first boy who gave it the name um some Greek philosopher? I feel like he lived in a barrel. Oh my god, yeah. Is it I you, could... Sophocles? <laughs> Ed to Sophocles? <laughs> One of them. And I thought that was an interesting thing to think about with um, religion being tied with sexuality in this quite a lot. Uh, mm. This 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 book, quite a lot. And uh, yeah, just thinking about Jean Valjean and 
his denial of pleasure as another thing of being like uh based in the priests buying his soul so yeah the priest is jesus with his harem of <laughs> <laughs> with su- and in his supreme egoism thinking that he can buy Jean Valjean's soul, and so Jean Valjean must live in supreme abnegation. Uh, that word to read out abnegation. Mm. So to mm. live in self denial. I feel like I've said it before. I've been like, "Am I Jean Valjean?" <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you are Jesus. So. We are all Jean Valjean, <laughs> so we are all Jesus, <laughs> except Asia. Except. <laughs> All of Asia, nothing specific. All of you, but you know what I love, Nemo, is that you saying this. You know, made you think of Jean Valjean and Javert. And you know what? Someone's got to because it's not going to be Hugo in this whole book. <laughs> this is another one. I like. Uh, I finished reading, and my girlfriend came in and was like, oh, "Okay, are you ready for your episode of recording tonight?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I was like, "Oh, how'd it go?" Like, oh, well, it's another it's another little Hugo essay is what it is. So, you know, that's why I'm having... With, this is a long episode, but this could have been, like, three episodes. I'd be grateful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, but I was like... So it's another one of those ones where it's not... Like, it's an interesting essay. I will say mm. that. Um, and, mm. yeah, you know, we've said... I've said over and over, like, there's things we agree with and then there's things that we don't. It's a very interesting read. I... It's, strange in the middle um powerful at the beginning <laughs> full of fire and passion and then who he's i don't know what he's doing here at the end but why is it here yeah um well as you said you've sort of related it back to jean mm-hmm. Valjean and javert they're always on your mind they're always mm-hmm. on your mind mm-hmm. <laughs> um when fresh so half the press as soon as i finished reading and she was like how was it my feeling at that point was like he has a lot to say and he's worried people aren't going to read his book of essays but if he slips them into his uh, exciting novel they have to read them <laughs> but then I'm also like he does this a lot yeah. and we know that he's like I'm doing this to get the bourgeoisie class to be thinking thoughts so you're like I guess that's all what it's always been but every time it happens I'm like Yes, there are themes that relate to the greater text, but should you be here, essay? Hmm. I think, as well, so this is another one where I'm like, I know where your answer will be, okay, did it have to be this long then? Because um, later on, I mean, spoiler alert, could they stay at this convent for uh, the next couple of years? And um, at one point, Jean Fajan looks around and is like, oh shit, if I keep Cosette here then she is going to join this nunnery forever and she'll never leave um and is that the life that I have given her I have basically imprisoned her in this place and it's just a prison rather than like uh a life did I really save her from the Thenardiers to like lock her here and I guess it does have more poignancy if you've read the whole essay about like how cloisters how convents are uh prison (laughs) um Mm. but did it have to be this long and contain this much about like asia (laughs) (laughs) well we can all agree on it did not need to actually contain anything about asia he really didn't actually go off on that one 
Like, there's no... He didn't do the, like, well, let's look at these two things and think about this, like, learned man who do not... S- What's the fucking word he used? Who do not sneer. <laughs> Just frowns. No malice here. Um, as, the, as I give to cloisters, which are very convinced, very Christian word for it. Um... <laughs> Just sort of sprinkling that Asia in there to be like, I don't forget, I hate you too. <laughs> um, so we can all agree on that. Let's hope. Um, did it need to be this long? Um, does this make it more poignant? Um, well, you saying that what's coming is Jean Valjean having these sorts of like, oh, if I trapped her here, blah, 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 Tanadier's da 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 da. Could he have shown not told? <laughs> shown <laughs> not told? Yeah. And like, I feel like it's a really weird place to put it as well because you're like, you're supposed to feel hopeful about Jean Valjean getting into this nunnery, right? Like, that's mm. his place of hope. But you've just given me a like, however long, like, an hour long essay about how they're bad actually. So maybe that's a bit of it as well. Like, he found sal- he finds salvation in like the strangest place or whatever or. Or we should feel some sense of foreboding. I already did because there was before he did these this book of essays and then book six, uh, Petit Pipus, um, <laughs> giving us like a later history on the place. We just didn't know what that what looked like a body that wasn't moving with a noose around its neck. I was mm. pretty fore- foreboded, I must say. Yeah. Um. And but then he was like, "Let me just." slip in there this is a practice in people's <laughs> um and i guess if you don't read those essays you're not gonna know that you'll just be full of concern and confusion and ghosts mm. um i don't know i guess we'll see will i remember i'm sure i always remember this religious stuff um <laughs> when we get to the end of this convent bit to be like so to summarize did that need to be there um i guess it wouldn't be victor hugo if it wasn't <laughs> I don't know what that that's not saying anything about Victor Hugo. Um that's not as a this and this is a pro or this is a con. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see. I definitely got more about I, I definitely got more out of it this time than I have before, which is obvious because I have no religious um background. So it it helped me think about things a lot more but I don't think it really added that much knowing like I I understood the story that basically the same amount yeah I mean those like little bits about Jean Valjean and Javert thrown in were like cool additions but they weren't like <laughs> necessary yeah but and like I needed you to remind me that this was about like this <laughs> this isn't just an essay by Victor Hugo that Nemo was like Stevie you've got a couple hours you have to read this <laughs> And really think about it. <laughs> I'm like, this is a lamest podcast uh, produced by Nima Martin, and it's about it's about Jean Valjean. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Let us know what your thoughts about this are. All yeah, please. I would be <laughs> incredibly interested because yeah, me and Nima were coming at it from two kind of different places. Um, that was nice. Nice. <laughs> it was something. <laughs> interesting um anything else otherwise i'll close it up i had one small fact which was um in in this last page it says um uh, at this hour when so many men have low brows and souls almost as low amongst so many living beings who have pleasure as immorality um 
a, a fun fact, which I feel like I should have known before. Like, you know, there's a concept of lowbrow and highbrow. Mm. That's because of the fucking physiognomy thing of oh my God. highbrows. White people have highbrows. That means they're more intellectual in scare quotes whereas uh people of color usually have lower brows which means that they're fucking stupid dumbasses apparently so that's where the the concept of having lowbrow culture and highbrow culture comes from and i learned that the other day and i was like (laughs) language means so much Nima, like can i just have one thing (laughs) can i just live for one sentence (laughs) i didn't know that Wow. Mm. I guess maybe I should expect it more. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, it's like everything. It's like you can't fucking, like, turn a corner. I mean, even the concept of having lowbrow and highbrow culture, I already thought, like, you know, it's already filled with classism of yeah. the, like, you know, bawdy stuff that the fucking peasants look at. But yeah, it's not just about classism, it's also about racism. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So that's my fun fact to close out this episode. <laughs> it was very fun. I'm, we're all having a good old time. <laughs> so think about ne- that next time you're in a fucking like opera house or something. I don't know. Anyway, ending. No, that couldn't okay. end it any better. <laughs> Uh, this has been Bread and Barricades, a lamest podcast produced by me, Nemo Martin, and Julianne Yap. It was a Captain's Collection podcast. Our audio director is Jade, who you can find on her website, jdwasabi.com, or on her bandcamp at jdwasabi.bandcamp.com. If you want to talk about religion to us in our emails, you can send us an email, lamestpodcast, L-E-S-M-I-S podcast at gmail.com, or on Tumblr at Bread and Barricades, or on Twitter at lamestpodcast. If you like the show, please give us a review and send it to our email. We got a nice email the other day. It was so good. It was so cute. From someone called Nimue. We hope we are pronouncing your name correctly. And it was really sweet. So this, yeah, we wanted to say thank you for that email. It made us very happy. Um, (laughs) Dedicating this episode to you. Yeah. (laughs) This episode. Um, so yes you should also send us a nice email because it makes us happy and we'll send you one back (laughs) Um, and I think that's everything thank you for listening thanks bye